Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, we are right here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And as a person of color, Puerto Rican kid from Brooklyn, I've seen since 2008, the only thing I've seen is progressive politics destroying the America that I grew up in. Taxes are higher. The damn government thinks that it's God and it should solve every societal problem. And any sense of tradition is somehow wrong or racist. Keep your emails to yourself on that one. Listen, I've never signed up to receive uh, the garbage that I get in some of my emails. Uh, I, and I'm talking about these progressive PACs that uh, political action committees that send me stuff saying, Rich, people of color are under attack. Send us a donation now. And I'm like, why would I even be on your list? Is it because of my last name? You think because I'm brown? I subscribe to your racism? Screw you. I don't. Now, listen, I want to talk about racism. I want to talk about how they berate the police. I want to talk about what's going on. Who's running for governor of New York? Will Andrew Giuliani do it? And Andrew Giuliani is going to join us in the third segment, so keep it locked right there. But I also want to talk about this uh, video. I saw this video on Mr. Producer's Rumble channel. It's a great Rumble channel. Maybe slightly better than mine because he posts more videos than I do. But go check out mine as well, at Rich Valdez on Rumble. And what's interesting is that this woman really rips the student, a new one, just for saying something as simple as police are heroes. But I want to get into that and I want to have enough time to get into that. So first thing I want to do is I want to thank you guys for everybody who sent me uh, encouraging emails and texts and things like that because I've joined the Real Talk Tour. We're going to be going to five different cities across America this summer. So I'm going to be out of town quite a bit between now and September, but I'm looking forward to meeting so many of you personally when we go to Los Angeles, when we go to Houston, uh, when we go to um, Miami. Bienvenido a Miami. So there's a lot going on. I'm looking forward to it, but I want you to keep it locked right there because we're about to get started. I'm going to hear this audio and then we're going to jump into Andrew Giuliani's interview. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And, you know, like I said, I was watching this video on uh, Rumble, and this teacher she is just blasting this kid. At least that was my opinion of it. Now, listen, I'm going to let you hear the audio. I want you to hear the audio. It's a little bit long, but it really got my uh, my boxers in a twist. Can we say that? 
because I really took exception to this. P- Listen, I hear stupid opinions all the time, and you guys know I'm not really the heavy-handed type. I'm, I'm, I'm into having a conversation with the leftists, the progressives. I don't mind talking it out, debating it, fighting it, whatever. I'm down. I'm not one of these people who say, we got to get rid of them. No, we don't got to get rid of them. We got to talk. We got we to gotta work. But this one, I got triggered. Listen to this. All right. So uh, you brought up the police <clears throat> in your speech a few times. Um, so what is your like, what is your main concern? Since, I mean, About- honestly, the whole reason police, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is systemic. The issue is systemic because the whole reason we have police departments in the first place, where did it stem from? What's our history going back to what Jeremy was talking about? What, where it was, what does it stem from? It stems from people in the South wanting to capture runaway slaves. Maybe they shouldn't be heroes. Maybe they don't belong on a kid's show. Uh, so I disagree with the what Jeremy, Jeremy said about it because uh, I think cops are heroes and they have to have a difficult job, but we have to have the All of them? life. Oh, I, I, not I mean I'd say uh, a good majority of them. You have bad people in every business and every yeah, part. Yeah, well, wait, a wait, lot wait, of wait, police wait. officers have committed atrocious crimes and have gotten away with it and have never been convicted of any of it. And, and I say this as a person who has family members. Who are police officers? Yes, I, I, I understand. Uh, so uh, again, now she's backing this kid into a corner, right? She's, she seems like that's some sort of uh, exception, right? She's now excluded from any type of ridicule or any type of being held to any standard because she's got family that have been law enforcement. That's like saying, you know, uh, just because uh, I, I, um, I, I have black friends, but I'm a racist and I hate black people. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. This woman, in my opinion, again, she can have whatever opinion she likes, but kudos to this kid for standing up for what he believes in and saying, look, I think cops are heroes. What is wrong with that? When a fire, when you're a little kid and you go to kindergarten, they bring you a fireman, right? And he's in uniform and then they bring you the fireman in, 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 with the mask on and the tank on so that if you're ever in a fire, you see them and you're like, oh, he's a hero. He can save me out of the burning building. You're not supposed to be afraid of the guy in the spacesuit. We're supposed to think that our public servants are heroes. Now, the politicians, they ruin it for themselves. People already know that guy is a douche nozzle. He's going to rip you off. But we do expect our firefighters to be heroes. And they are. We do expect the police. Now, of course, yeah, I'm biased. I also have family in that business. I've also volunteered and given my own time to help a local police department. But the fact that this kid's paying to go to school, to have this woman impose her opinion. And again, she could have the opinion, but it would be a little bit more fair If she were to say, you know what, I don't necessarily agree personally, but the arguments that they make for the constabulary, for the police, is this. And the arguments against are this. You inform the student. The student now knows and can make their own informed choices. But that's not happening. And I hate to use the word indoctrination because we throw it around so much, but this is truly that. And not only that, he's getting berated and singled out as he goes Little fat kid that's in the class with him is like, yeah, no, no, they're not heroes. We shouldn't hold them up as heroes. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, takes his thumb out of his mouth because he probably lives in his mom's basement. Unbelievable. You know, and we're going to listen to the rest of the audio. But somebody asked me the other day, they're like, you know, what is Antifa doing when they're not bombing stuff? And I put jokingly, and hey, take it how you will. I said, they're in classrooms. That's what Antifa's doing when they're not blowing stuff up. They're in courtrooms and classrooms. They're attorneys. They're teachers. Now, I don't make those blanket statements saying that all teachers are whatever, uh, Antifa and all teachers are this, because that's what they do. She's saying that all cops are committing atrocious crimes and trying to make it look that way. But if she wants to open that door, we can go down that door. But listen to this. 
And this is what I believe. This is my opinion. And this is, you know, not popular to say, but uh, I do support our police. And we have bad people and the people that do bad things should be brought to justice. I agree with that. But I think that I uh, say I'm saying it again. They haven't. Well, I agree with you on that point of they should. Right. So what is and, your bottom line point? You're saying police officers should be revered, viewed as heroes. I am. They I, go I on TV shows with children. That I children think they are have. heroes in a sense because they come to your need and they come and help you. And they have a problem just like every other business. But we should fix that. But I think they're, they're heroes. Well, they're, I think that's they're a problem. problem. It's looking at it as a business because they're actually supposed to protect and serve. They're supposed to protect and serve. So calling it a business stops them from protecting and serving. Calling it a business stops cops from dying on more calls. You know, they want to say, oh, they're shooting this one. They're shooting that one. Forget about race shooting anybody. Cops are getting killed more than the bad guys are. Let's just get that part out there. Look at the FBI data. This is why they bring five cars to a uh, traffic stop. Because they know this could be your last stop. So why not bring, you know, all your boys to have your back? The bad guy thinks twice about running off, running you over. Just happened last week. I talked about it on the show, but I'll bring it up again. And it's on my Rumble channel. You could see it from the cops. He's a lieutenant. He's an experienced cop. Pulls the guy over. The guy just jets in the car. He's like attached to the car. He's dragging him across the the road. Now, maybe, maybe that's something that shocks me. If it doesn't shock you, there's something wrong with you, bro. Really, wake up. If you don't think killing cops is wrong, we got a problem, Houston. Now, listen, this lady right here, she's out of her freaking mind. She's sipped the AOC Kool-Aid all out crazy. She's been smoking that Ilhan Omar ganja. These people are in commie heaven on cloud nine. This is what has to stop. We've got to get out there and get in their faces. Now, I don't mean get in their face. And I do. If you want to get in their face, go right ahead. My buddy Curtis Lee, when I talked about that before, he, he's challenged Andrew Yang to a debate. On Sunday, in the middle of Times Square, just after high noon, let's see if he shows up. I don't know if he will. But that's what you got to bring them the challenge. And I don't mean the Capitol and all that craziness, breaking the windows and all that Antifa garbage. I'm talking about bringing it the way it needs to be brought. Now, earlier in this audio, she says, well, let's talk about where it started. And it reminded me of, I've been hearing this since sixth grade. Now, listen, when I was born... I was like, freeze, police, right? Those are my first words. All I ever wanted to do was be a cop. My brothers were cops. I was like, they're my heroes. Cops are cool. I still have the same opinion. And I did go to an abbreviated police academy to volunteer for the police department in, uh, in Jersey. But all that aside, I think cops provide an essential service. Now, I'm not advocating that armed members of the government, the law enforcement arm of the government, Uh, should have unlimited ability. I don't even like the government, let alone armed ones. I I respect the police. I uphold the establishment of having a situation, uh, a system, if you will, where I can pick up the phone. You want to call it socialist? Go right ahead. (laughs) I, I support the idea of paying tax to pay armed men that are trained to protect me and my family and my neighbors should something crazy happen. And I also support the idea of every last person in this society being armed. Because an armed society is a polite society. And you think twice before you run your mouth when you know everybody's packing. But all that being said, since I was in sixth grade, I've always been a fan of hip-hop music. I didn't always agree with it. Before I knew about politics, I knew about hip-hop. And a lot of hip-hop was very conscious. KRS-One, 
I got a clip I want to play for you. It's a quick clip, but he talks about the same argument this teacher was making. Check this out. While it's clever and it rhymes, he's making the case that the overseers rode around the plantation and the officer was on patrol around the nation. Now, if that is in fact the case, that officers became uh, a thing because of overseers, why the hell do I care? No, really, seriously here. Why would I care how the police started? Seriously. Check this out. Right now I'm sitting in a room that has a light bulb. I use light bulbs every single day, and I don't know why the light bulb was invented, but I'm going to presume that Thomas Alva Edison maybe wanted to read something late at night, light up a dark road to be a little safer, to see what was available in front of him. So my point is, maybe he was a, a nut job that we didn't know, and he wanted to do things at, at night that were very bad, and he needed light in order to do those things. And the, the light bulb was somehow conceived from an ill nature. My point is, people are way more safe at night because of lights. And people are way more safe because of the police, whatever their beginning was. For us to sit here and go, well, you know, I mean, the Constitution was written by a bunch of guys that were abolitionists and a bunch of guys that were slaveholders. So what are we going to do? Sit here and say that the Constitution has its roots in slavery? The entire country has roots that go into slavery one way or another. We realize that. And we rectified that. We fought a freaking war over that. And we stuck together and there was an Emancipation Proclamation and we celebrate that on Juneteenth. So why on earth should I preoccupy myself and say that this is an organization that has racist roots? This is a country that has racist roots. Okay, I think everybody knows that. Slavery was a thing in America. And we're not going to whitewash the history. It's horrible. Punto y final, bottom line, that's that. Period, the end. It is horrible. There's nothing to add. It's not horrible, but it's horrible. We have fixed things. We'll continue to fix things. But you can't sit there driving your car looking in the rearview mirror because you'll crash. Anyway, keep it locked right there because up next we're going to sit down with Andrew Giuliani telling us his plans for what he might do in New York State. He might be running for governor. Plus, all the behind the scenes of what happened when his dad, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, was raided by the FBI earlier this week. Do not move a muscle. You don't want to move this. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, I was quick on the draw there. And uh, as promised, we've got a special guest for you right now. We are talking about the news of the week. And one of the biggest headlines you heard this week was uh, former mayor Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, who... um, He's under the gun right now for nothing more than being loyal and doing the right thing in life. But that's how it goes sometimes when you're dealing with uh, the systemic Marxism that is plaguing our government right now. Now, everybody saw and was waiting for a comment from Rudy Giuliani when this happened. But everybody got a comment from Andrew Giuliani. And uh, he's been making headlines recently in recent weeks for a a multitude of things. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because Andrew Giuliani served in the White House as a special assistant to the president in the Office of Public Liaison. And leaving the White House, he came from the private sector. He's back in the private sector in the media now as a contributor at Newsmax. And 
We saw him on TV doing what he had to do with this uh, debacle that happened this week. So with us right now, I want you to guys give a really warm welcome to Andrew Giuliani. Welcome to This Is America. Rich, thanks for being on with you and your listeners. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, and thanks for the introduction right there. That's oh, you got really it, brother. Wonderful. Let me tell you. So, I mean, I've never met you. You know, this isn't uh, a favor that I'm doing to you. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. He's, first of all, your dad's a colleague of mine here, and I think he's an excellent broadcaster. He's a yeah. great, lots of things. But I really want the, the focus to be on you because, um, obviously, I think everybody, we've caught up to speed on the story. We know that this is Witch Hunt 2.0. But I want people to kind of get the back end or the behind the scenes view of what happened. So, you know, were you home? Were, were, you, were you in Brooklyn? Where, where were you? You get a call and it's like, uh, hey, Andrew, these guys are at it again. I need you to come and, yeah. you know, you know uh, do the, the, the press op here. I was actually traveling around the state. I was actually downstate. I was in uh, I was traveling back from Montauk when I found out about it. And uh, yeah, I got the call and ended up coming over probably about 90 minutes or so after the FBI left. And the first piece of information I found out was sitting right when you walk in there was a hard drive. And I, you know, I, I had an idea of what it was. And I said, well, they didn't take that right there. And then dad said, no, they were going to take it. And I told him, oh, you're taking Hunter's hard drive. Uh, and they, they immediately kind of backed off and said, no, no, we don't want it. And he said, well, don't you guys have an active investigation into that? And they said, yeah, but, but uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. Uh, pretty incredible. To be, yeah, to they were just honest. We're just here to bust Hunter, his balls. Hunter Biden. Right. I mean, it basically is like, so this is just for your listeners. If the FBI ever comes into your home, just tell them that everything they're going to take is Hunter Biden's, and they'll just uh, turn around the other way and not take any of it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, you know, so, so I see you out there, and you're making your statements, and you were on the, on the media gauntlet doing what you had to do, and that was terrific. So tell us, um, you know, what, uh, I guess, um, happened from there, because after that I want to get into a little bit of these retractions that we saw, and then I want to yeah. talk about what's going on with you statewide. So before we put a pin in the uh, what happened with the FBI quote-unquote raid, so you're there, you're, you're telling the FBI, all right, take that, that belongs to uh, Hunter Biden, by the way. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, that's good, we're only here to bust your chops. Got it. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, and, and so, uh, you know, the FBI leaves after uh, about two hours or so. I, I got there about 90 minutes or so after the FBI left. So I, I wasn't there for any of the overlap of it, but I came in. Um, hearing that immediately, you think, you know, this is the same exact stuff. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade they've been doing for a while, you know, and again, it goes, you know, you go back to like, you know, John Brennan lying to Congress uh, or James Clapper lying to Congress, literally under penalty of perjury, Mm -hmm. just no repercussions whatsoever. And you think about what George Papadopoulos had to go through for, you know, the very small little things that happened there. And and it just, you know, it shows you that it's the complete hypocrisy of our justice department right now. It's really sad. And I think this is my father's perspective on this, and, and uh, you know, he looks at his youngest associate attorney general ever uh, as U.S. attorney of the Southern District, and, and I, I would say I'm biased, but the greatest U.S. attorney of the Southern District, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the greatest U.S. attorney in the history of our country. Uh, so he remembers when, when, uh, when the Justice Department used to pride itself on being independent and independent-minded. Uh, now I think it's pretty obvious that, they, that they're political. 
Um, but in terms of the rest of the day, I was there with him and, and, and realized, you know, very quickly that, you know, what was going on, the FBA was, FBI was trying to intimidate him. And I told him, I said, Dad, look, you know, I, I mean, let, let me let me go out there and and, uh, and make this statement for you. And that way, that way you can figure it out with, with your lawyer. You can have a, a legal statement when you want. Uh, but just as a son who's extremely upset uh, seeing the politicization of the Justice Department, the corruption of the Justice Department, and a concerned American, somebody you know just spent the last four years working in the White House, um, you know, just I, I had to I had to get out there and speak my mind. Yeah, I can only imagine. I would want to kick somebody's ass too, personally. Uh, and you gotta yeah. you, you gotta walk the tight and narrow here, right? Because you're you're like, hey, I'm running for governor, maybe, and uh, and now you're you're yeah. in this, you know. Uh, back and forth with the FBI said, it can't be easy. And we're going to get to that. But I want to jump into, you just said you were at the White House. And I think a lot of people know you were at the White House, but we don't know uh, the the extent of, of your uh, enro- involvement and what, you know, the Office of Public Liaison mm-hmm. does and how that worked within the West Wing. So just walk sure. us through that. Sure. So I, it was an incredible role in the White House. Basically, what the Office of Public Liaison does is we engage with the uh, with the private sector, everything from Fortune 500 companies to small businesses to philanthropies. Uh, I jokingly used to say we engage with everybody from Tim Cook to Kim Kardashian and everybody in between. <laughs> um, but but really, it's everybody who's non-governmental or not not on the hill. And uh, you know, I'll never forget when I first took the job. Probably two or three weeks in, uh, I'm speaking with President Trump in the back room off the Oval Office, and he said to me, he said, "Look." He said, I want you to make sure that you are the intermediary here and that we are crafting our public policy based off of the most successful people in this country, not the government bureaucrats. I don't want to listen to the government bureaucrats. You could take their papers and all that stuff. But really, I want the guys who are signing the front of the check. So like some of the things just in the last year specifically that I worked on, the Paycheck Protection Program mm-hmm. with, uh, with all the private sector leaders that were on the president's reopening committee, uh, really was working with the D- Department of Treasury and Steve Mnuchin to end up uh, crafting that and working through uh, a few of the tweaks that we ended up making after the Paycheck Protection Program came out. Uh, the MTA... Uh, CARES Act, working through to make sure that the MTA got their first two tranches of funding, saving thousands of mm-hmm. jobs. Uh, the 9-11 Health, Health Fund bill, which uh, was a story in September, there was $3.9 million that was missing from uh, the pot of money that went to the health responders because the New York State Department of Finance, again, a big bureaucracy, never good, ended up uh, commingling the Medicaid number Along with the uh, along with the 9/11 health health number, mm. of course, the Daily News said Trump was doing this himself. This actually happened since 2007, so over three administrations. So, so we ended up making sure that that was uh, that that was fixed, that that money got refunded, and that wouldn't happen again. But you know, it really allowed me to deal every single day with some of the great business leaders of our country and to see actually uh, people work with people through public policy who knew what it was like to risk and succeed, mm-hmm. not ones who had just you know, been sitting off the government you know, dime for the last 35 years. You know, and I think that's one of the most important things that uh, I focus on. I always want to look at somebody that knows stuff. You can have worked in the government, and that's yeah. fine. I worked in the government, too, for a little while, yeah. and I didn't really like it. Yeah. I mean, I did what I did, and, you know, I made sure I got out. And everybody's like, why would you get out? There's a pension. It's, it's kind of like you do what you got to do and you go because certain people aren't cut out for that, you, if you, especially if you have an opinion, yeah. right? They don't want your opinion mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're in a political appointee position. Oh. <laughs> you Shut up and shovel coal is kind of how the government works. And don't get me wrong, I certainly recommend government service for, for anybody. I think it, it definitely makes you better. I, I do think, though, 
uh, it's, it's a very different dynamic working in the private sector, starting your own business um, and, and really needing to succeed. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're not going to you're not going to make any money versus, yeah. you know, having that that job security. So, so that's that's different. I think a combination of the two is uh, is probably probably best. Yeah. Yeah. No question. I, I agree with that statement as well. I think you do it. You try it. If you love it, then do it. If you're really good at it, uh, but you keep your heart in the right place. And I think that's where people go astray, where it's like, no, I'm going to live off this gravy train, not I'm going to contribute to to serving our our community, our country, whatever level of government you're in. Now, you mentioned something about the Daily News, but I was looking at something in The Hill and I want to get your reaction on this uh, headline I saw also in The Post. Fake news, New York Times, NBC, Washington Post, all forced to retract false info about Mayor Giuliani. And I thought, well, isn't this how it always is? You know, it's, I always tell people, you, can, you can't get unpunched in the face. Once you've been punched in the face, you're punched in the face. And that's it. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So they lie about him. Yeah. They say that, oh, the, he was warned about Russian propaganda. He, they, we told OAN the warning was made. And they're like, oh, no, there was a brief, but that didn't really happen. And tell mm-hmm. us what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, this has been their strategy for a long time, right? It's, it's have, you know, these these headlines that grab people's attention. It's boom, it's Rudy Giuliani, you know, raided by the feds, soon to go to jail, you know, et cetera. And then right. all of a sudden, a couple of days later, there's a retraction to make it a lot more, uh, you know, to, to basically bring down the, the temperature a little bit. But a lot of times that ends up going on page 24. Um, so this is something that we've seen, you know, over the last, you know, bunch of, of I would say, years. And certainly this happens. If you look at how many times this happens to people associated with Donald Trump, versus people associated with Barack Obama or Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know what the scoreboard is there, but it's got to be something like 200 to, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. You ain't kidding. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. And folks, we're on with uh, Andrew Giuliani, former White House uh, Office of Public Liaison and uh, current Newsmax contributor. Now, Andrew Giuliani also made recent headlines because, well, He's decided he's going to see what's going on out there. He may be running for governor of New York. And I think that's a pretty big headline. So I want to spend a lot of time on that or as much time as you want to, because I think, you know, a lot of people would think, man, you'd have to get your head examined. But then some people say, you know what? That's a real call to service. And I'll preface this with this. A few nights ago, I had a quick conversation with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And I said, you know, sir, I'm sorry you're going through this. And he goes, why? You think I can't handle this? And I said, I said, no, I do think you can handle it. And he goes, good, F him. <laughs> I, said, I love this guy. I love the chutzpah. And I'm thinking, I'm guessing, you know, it runs in the blood and, and, and you've got that same chutzpah where you're like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to run for governor because something needs to be done. So tell me what your thought process is. What was behind making that decision? Walk us straight through. Yeah. Well, look, I think all of us have seen what's happened here to New York over the last you know, a few years and, and uh, over the last decade even, and, and uh, you know, to see basically uh, so many New Yorkers and so many businesses moving out of state, moving to Florida, Texas, and Tennessee, you know, really, really breaks mm-hmm. my heart. And so, you know, one of the things, one of the options is, is uh, you know, do, do we move out of state or we stay here and fight? Um, and, and I love New York with all of my heart. It's something that, you know, I grew up a New Yorker, been a New Yorker my entire life. Um, I, I want to stay here and fight. So I would say I'm I'm closer to yes than ever before. I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I'm strongly considering it, and I'll, and I'll have a decision in the next uh, in the next ten days to two weeks or so mm-hmm. about whether or not I will throw my hat in the ring. But but I have been going around the last week all over New York, from all the way from Montauk uh, up to Niagara Falls and a bunch of places in between, and meeting with concerned New Yorkers. Um, 
and it's it's something that I, I feel inspired. Uh, I think I feel inspired to do. I will, you know, no formal announcement right now, but, but let's put it this way. I'm, I'm as close to yes as I've ever been before. All right. That's good. Uh, it, uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> now, uh, I'm thinking uh, Joe El Baboso Biden, right? Joe El Baboso Biden, our current occupant in the White House. He is somebody that I think is the cause of great angst for so many Americans. We look at him and he's always pouring his dribble all over the place. Sometimes he knows what's going on. Sometimes he doesn't know. Half the time, I think he's just being sinister because he just knows how to be sinister. It's like an old man, like my dad. My dad, before he passed away, he didn't always know what was going on, but he knew certain things. Like He was quick to, to get into a fight. He, he didn't mind putting up his dukes and going at it. And it was like, Dad, no, he's family. We don't have to fight with him. you know. And, and I think that's what we get with Joe Biden. He's like, I know how to be a crooked politician. I can do this. And, and they just let him out there. And they're like, yeah, be crooked all you want. Just point them in that direction what what what's your thought on what's going on i mean we could pick anything out of the sky here biden gives us so much fuel so much ammo but what's your uh, immediate gut reaction to you know the things he said this week uh the the direction that the country's headed in now well it's really disappointing more than anything is to see that you know if it was a trump policy they do the opposite even if it was a good policy you know look you understand when there's a transition of administrations if there's going to be a change in policy that's just the way that it is but, you know, when you look at what's happening on the southern border right now and the fact that we have a humanitarian crisis mm-hmm. um, there, they, they basically just decided to say, we're going to do a 180 and we're going to do the exact opposite, regardless of whether it worked or not. And, and that, to me, it's, it's almost very childish, if you think. I mean, it reminds me of like two kids fighting over, you know, nothing, basically. One takes one side and one takes the other side. And I think Joe Biden is in, in his administration uh, basically, the media for so long had said that Donald Trump is, you know, is the devil, he's Satan, he's, you know, mm-hmm. he's Hitler, whatever he is, that they had to do the exact opposite, whether or not the policies were working. And I think most of the Trump policies were working. I mean, you know, obviously I'm biased. I worked in there for four years. Yeah. Um, but, but I saw the economic development happen. I saw that, you know, African-American, Hispanic and Asian-American unemployment were the lowest in the history of our country. I saw that opioid deaths went down for the first time uh, in 2019 uh, than in 30 years. For 30 straight years, it was going down. It started to go back down. You know, I I saw what the First Step Act did. I mean, these were policies that were working. um, And and Biden just seems to want to do the exact opposite. Um, Unfortunately, I think it's leading to a bunch of different crises. And uh, it would not surprise me if if he has to walk some of these back. I mean, you just see what's going on on at the border. It's pretty amazing that Biden or his borders are have not been down there yet. I mean, how do you not go down there and, and actually get your eyes on a crisis that, that that's that bad um, that's that's plaguing our country right now? We're on with Andrew Giuliani, and I think you're right, Andrew. This is one of those situations where Kamala Harris, MIA, uh, President Biden, there's yeah. no crisis. Oh, there's a crisis. No, I didn't mean crisis. I got hairy legs. I mean, it's just out of control, yeah. the, the, the the ridiculousness that comes out of this man. And people just take it like, you yeah, know, he's better than Trump. No, he's not Trump. That's all. Listen, uh, I'm wondering, yeah. does he make it to the this uh, the end of his first four-year term? Oh, man. That's a good one. I don't know. I wouldn't want to bet any money on it. That's yeah. A, that's, a tough, that's a tough question. It certainly doesn't look like he's got enough stamina to do that. You know, I was with President Trump yesterday uh, or two days ago, and he gave a speech for about 90 minutes. And I mean, he read probably about two paragraphs in yep. 90 minutes. And you forget the guy's going to be turning 75 next month. The guy has, you know, twice as much stamina as me, and I'm half his age. 
Yeah. Uh, it's pretty amazing when you see the difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, you know, and, and I was just reminded of that the other day. We were probably at the 50 minute mark. And I was just like, I don't know when this guy is, is going gonna, is gonna to stop. He's just he's got got unbelievable energy. I'll tell you one more story. And, yeah. and I know I'm I'm kind of juxtaposing Joe to, to, to President Trump. But I remember specifically during the shutdown of the pandemic early on, President Trump called me at 157 in the morning. He woke me up on that end, right? 157 in the morning. Hmm. So I pick up the phone. OK, we answer it. Ten minutes, I go back to sleep. Calls again at five at five twenty three in the morning. <laughs> woke me up again, and, and I was just like, "Does this guy ever sleep?" And it didn't sound like he was tired. It sounded like he was just going all night. Um, I, I don't know if Joe can be up for three hours, and, and you know, I don't even know if President Trump is sleeping for three hours. Unbelievable! That's, that's quite the juxtaposition. You know that that is funny. Yeah. I, I once talked to the president uh, in the residence, and usually there's like a bunch of hoops you have to go through, right? And somebody calls and like, "Yeah, hold on, we got you the president," and you know, it's like AT and T, White House switchboard, all that stuff. And that's how it's always been when I've spoken with anybody in the White House. And this particular day, he called in, and. It was like, hello. And I was like, hello. And he was like, it's Donald Trump. And I was like, stop lying. And he was like, no, really. And I was like, oh, shoot. My bad. I was like, sir, you sound terrific. It was like he had just had COVID. And I was like, you sound fantastic. I didn't think it was really you and all the hoops. And and I asked him, I was like, well, you're really early for the interview. Is there a chance we could call you back? He goes, can I just stay on the line? So I talked to him for about six or seven minutes. And what, what I found remarkable was afterwards I replayed that in my head and I was like, he probably didn't know the phone number, right? Nobody knows the phone number in the White House because, you know, that's – and who gets to use the phone but the president, right? I just thought it was cool because, you know, typically nobody calls anybody on their own. They have people to call people to call people, which uh, was yeah. good. But it shows you the guy that he is. He's like, no, I'll call you at this time. And he calls you early. And it's just like, man, stand-up yeah. guy, great president. Uh, I trust that you've uh, taken a lot both from the apple falling from the tree with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani plus the president. I think it's a uh, it's a great set of people to be around to go on the task that you're embarking on if you do embark on it as governor of New York. Final word to you, Andrew Giuliani. How do people get in touch with you, support you, follow what you're doing? Well, I'll tell you what, how about how about I come back on in a couple of weeks and I'll have I'll, I'll be able to tell you exactly where they can go. But for right now, if people follow me on Twitter, it's Andrew H. Giuliani. And same thing on Instagram, uh, Andrew H. Giuliani. We're going to be, uh, you know, if we decide to get in, that'll be built out a lot more here in a couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, but you know, look, I, I look forward, whether or not I decide to run or not, to fighting for New York because it's um, – it's really, really sad to see just just how many businesses, how many jobs are moving out of state, and uh, and and what it's causing. The fact that our kids are not in school. I mean, it's a a litany of things that's that's really, really sad and depressing. I mean, you look at look at the job that Ron DeSantis did, and mm, then compare fantastic. that to the job that Andrew Cuomo is doing. Mm. And I think I think you can see exactly why people are choosing to leave New York. They're disincentivized to be here. Um, whoever the next governor of New York is, whether that's me or whether that's somebody else. They need to incentivize businesses, not just to stay, but to build their footprint in New York. New York is what connects the United States to the rest of the world. I think, you know, the Whit Clinton, the Erie Canal, it's what connects the rest of the world to, to, to the United States. That needs to continue. We need to make sure that New York does, is the center of, of, the, of the economy in the United States again. All right. You heard it here first. Andrew Giuliani, you're always welcome to join us. Looking forward to what you decide to do. And folks, follow him on Twitter, follow him on Instagram. Andrew, thanks again for joining us on This is America. 
Thanks a bunch, Rich. Have a great Saturday, Sunday. You got it, brother. God bless. Now, you know, it's funny. He talked about fighting for New York. Fighting for New York is something that Curtis Sliwa does quite often. He's been doing it his whole career. And on the way here to the studio today, I uh, passed Curtis Sliwa's debate. He has challenged Andrew Yang to a debate. And guess what? It was at 1 o'clock and at 1.15, Andrew Yang was a no-show. The only thing close to looking like Andrew Yang was a cardboard cutout of Andrew Yang just standing there in the middle of Times Square with a bunch of Curtis Sliwa supporters wearing Curtis Sliwa shirts. So it seems to me that Andrew Yang is a coward. Team Yang, the Yang gang, they're full of it. But what Andrew Giuliani said is right. He, we, he, all of us need to stand up for New York, for our communities, for America overall. Because if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. That's from Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. That's Sir Edmund Burke. So don't sit there and do nothing. Do something. Take action. The time is now to win over the hearts and minds so we can start to have the country that we once had, where there was filled with opportunity, where it was okay to be white. It was okay to be black. Okay to be Latino like me. Sadly, that's not the case anymore. And we need you more than we've ever needed you before. Hasta la próxima, America. Until next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.